filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Recording this on July 14th, which hold is on, my hold on. eighth wedding. Hey, no, no. Stop. Stop. Adam. <laughs> really stop. Adam. Uh, our, okay, it's just going to shout out my wife. Know... But... Look, she's great. Um, Your wife is lovely. All... One of the what? things we all agree on is that. You know what isn't great. lovely? We need to talk about something that we're able to see that our listeners can't see. So we need to paint a visual picture for them. Uh, you have, I think, I think people know from especially from ben's comments on it that uh you've been growing a beard i think we talked about this last week i think it made the show it might not have if it didn't just pretend that it did uh adam had a beard it was pretty noticeable uh we're not used to seeing a bearded adam and yet this was a a, a pretty how many weeks how many weeks adam? i mean it's been trimmed but since it's i haven't shaved properly since right. like march since okay the quarantine began so, so a, controlled, a controlled beard attempt uh, for for four months, give or take. Um, and here we are getting on to Uber conference, preparing for the call. And, and Ben gets on first and then I jumped on and then Adam came on third. And what do we see? But Adam has removed most of his facial hair, but he has left a mustache. The way you put that was very Agatha Christie, like <laughs> the murderer is the mustache. The mustache. The mustache. I mean, yeah. But there, and there's also echo. some stuff down the reverb was here. Nice. Well, in it's the because so, like I said, I haven't shaved properly. I just took my beard trimmer, which I didn't own before uh, okay. quarantine, and just put it on the lowest, put on the lowest comb, and just took off everything except the mustache. And because uh, it got real hot last week. And so I did this last week or week. Yeah. It, since the last time we recorded and just hacked it all off and then, you know, did that one more time a few days later. Um, but I'm not like shaving it because it's still quarantine and shaving sucks. So, this is, but I, sh- I, I shave like, mustache. I shave like every other day. Yeah. But anyway, shaving sucks. This I is unfortunately it. a compliment to Adam's mustache, but. Now, just looking at it for a while, it gives me the Philip Seymour Hoffman from uh, uh, Almost Famous vibe. Okay, I, I can. Live I with was going to say that. I guess uh, I was going to say that that it's got a little bit of a um, maybe not like a Three Musketeers thing, but like someone that the Musketeers know and could call on as like support for a given swashbuckling sword like, fight like the, like the seventh musketeer <laughs> yeah it's you know when, when they they're like okay the three of us are not enough to um to deal with this situation but we've got some the friends four, but, uh, at least i have um, more facial hair than d'artagnan I'm, just, I'm gonna take that as a win <laughs> um actually i like i've never done facial hair it's never been something that i've done so quarantine was an excuse to not shave for a while and then 
it started getting unruly. So I got a beard trimmer and it's like, so, well, now I can keep the what, beard. Uh, what does Anne Louise think about this? Honestly, she wants me to get a haircut way more than she cares about the mustache. Okay. The hair being super long. Yeah, she's uh, starting to get is, a little extravagant. Yeah, it, it in the back, it's definitely mulatose. Oh. Um, so that 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 I think yeah. and like, it gets very poofy. That the back that is less extravagant situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was funny too. Like we were like commenting about all the pictures, and our kids haven't gotten haircuts, so our three-year-old has. He, he has bright blue eyes, so he looks like a baby Luke Skywalker right now because he's blonde and he has the seventies, you know, yeah. just big hair. Um, and my hair was very seventies, and with the beard, it was looking very seventies. And then all of a sudden, I shaved it to the mustache and just fast forwarded into the eighties real yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Good news: it, it appears that you've you've managed this transition without the drug that defines those two decades. It's um, true. You appear to be in completely normal and uh, reasonably sober, certainly sober from hard drugs uh, mindset. Yes. We'll yeah, see as the a podcast goes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, it still have if Adam insists on hour of four of the podcast. In my bottle, so, we <laughs> <laughs> like, got more to talk about. There's more things to talk about in this game. We got to talk. We got to get to this and that. Guys, I haven't told you about my connection to Don Mattingly and the mustache yet. So, <laughs> here it is. He's from my hometown. He graduated high school with my aunt. Okay, so. Adam is definitely on the drugs. Yeah, totally. Um, Just some different drugs. There you go. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and I have a mustache now podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. No, it's not about that. I I tried to say happy anniversary Uh, to my wife and also happy anniversary (laughs) to Audi Field because it's July 14th. But you guys wanted to talk about the mustache. So, yes, that is what this podcast is about now. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. They are both clean shaven, and we are all from blackandredunited.com. Is, is Jason clean shaven? I don't think Jason's clean shaven. No, I'm, I'm like four or five days in. I okay. meant to shave earlier, and I just did, didn't get all to right, it. Well, the lighting in, in Jason's den yeah. there is, is shaved, bad it, enough I, that I couldn't tell. Right. I shaved I, about six hours ago. It looks like yeah. Um, whereas my lighting makes me look like um, if you were to do a horror movie in which the characters had a discussion via some sort of uh, internet uh, Zoom or Uber conference style service, um, I look like the char- one of the characters that gets killed. Yeah, yeah. that that's gonna get made, right? Like at this point, oh, someone already going, exists. There's it's... there's a movie like that with John Cho that is almost completely. Um, but I mean, there's, there's, I mean, someone's going to make a, a Zoom horror, horror movie during than a this. True slasher, but yeah, someone's going to go for that. I mean, there's someone's to- going to make the- it during this pandemic. Yeah, there's totally going to be like the Blair right Witch then. Project, the Blair Witch Project, but exactly. O- only over right. Zoom slash Google Meet slash whatever. Horror movies are the most responsive genre to whatever the yes. social pressure of the time is. They are very quick because usually they're made for very little money and without any major stars. So you can get an idea and have the movie underway quickly. So I'm sure there are s- several of these probably in the works. Some of them are probably very bad, um, but maybe <laughs> one of them might be good. We can hope. Well, listeners, go out there and find them. Uh, good luck or make, or make them. <laughs> Sure, make them. Why not? I'll sign up for that. Um, tonight, we are no longer talking about my mustache or Zoom mm-hmm. horror films, it probably. Again. We're Adam, talking about... 
I can't make promises. It's true. I I think uh, eight years of doing this podcast uh, has proven that I have zero control over either of you. Tonight, we are talking about DC United's come from behind two to two draw with Toronto FC. And we are going to preview the upcoming game against New England Revolution. Watch that Friday night, 8 p.m. on ESPN uh, and related streaming services. Before we do anything else, though, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I threw together a classic. Uh, got my Barrel Select uh, Patron Añejo. Got a gigantic ice cube and put them both in a glass, and that's it. It's very, it's a very sweaty glass though because it's so humid right now that as soon as the ice cube went in the glass, it began to sweat. Um, because Do that is apparently our life now. The the dew point is I, roughly the temperature. Yeah, I have air conditioning and I have a ceiling fan uh, in this room that I'm sitting in. I mean, I can and yet, see the ceiling fan. Yes. No, the air conditioning is on. It's a it's at a reasonable temperature. I guess I could just turn it up full blast. Uh, that seems maybe not the best choice for the environment. Uh, but the sacrifice is that I have a sweaty glass. Ben, how about you? What What is in your sweaty glass? My glass is not sweaty. Um, but I have... Ginger ale and vodka. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been going with Svedka vodka recently. It's it's better than uh, Smirnoff. It's better than what I used to drink in college, which was Vladimir or Bowman's. Uh, don't drink either of those. Please don't. I know I've said this before, but yeah. I continue yeah, it, to say, please don't drink those. Like the, the, the $7 handle of vodka, which changes name from, from region to region, the name is McCormick's. always obviously bad. Um yeah. See, I'm surprised that there are so many options that aren't just a Russian word that someone's like, is this I mean, is Vladimir. Russian, right. right. Like Vlad- for a yes, while, Vladimir, in college, uh, we drank Vladimir vodka, and then we upgraded it, to Bowman's, which was like a dollar more, but it was least, at least produced in the state of Virginia. In college uh, College Park, the the $7 handle was uh, called Ruble. Um, and occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I'd go to a party and count or a bottle of Romanov. Um, yep. And every single yep. time I was like, where did you come from? And it just turns out it was probably like someone bought it near Baltimore or somewhere else around. I don't know where Romanov is the regional one, but it came from some adjacent region. And uh, yeah, it was the same thing. Like, how many Russian words do you know? Like, I don't know, six. Like, OK, we'll pick one. And that's the vodka's name. Let's get this. Let's get this oh, garbage on no, the show. Google. I Googled Romanov yeah, vodka. And the first <laughs> result is, is Romanov vodka good for health? that that is planted that is some good seo right there um mccormick's was just the all like every spirit the the Mm. every basic spirit anyway the the bottom shelf thing was mccormick's in in indiana um it was just they they made gin they made rum they made vodka they made i like to think it's just one guy yeah, it's just Jack McCormick. Jimmy, old, old Jimmy McCormick. Uh, his his liquors. It just depends on how much food coloring he adds to the. Uh, the How's the juniper crop this year? Right. <laughs> we getting gin or vodka? Right. Um, I I am drinking uh, Flying Dogs, the Truth Imperial IPA because that's what my wife ordered on Drizzly and got delivered from the a nearby liquor store. So that is what I am drinking. It's pretty good. I'm not a huge Imperial IPA guy, but this is, you know, some nice flavor that's not just punch you in the mouth with hops. 
So it's actually a pretty balanced beer, which is nice. To the soccer. DC United. Thank you for waiting until I started to, to, to say that. DC United made some history on Monday morning, coming back from two goals down while being down a man as well to steal an unlikely point against Toronto FC in both teams. MLS is back. Group C opener. First time since at least 2007 that that kind of comeback has happened in MLS play in more than 150 tries. So uh, we are going to start with the comeback because I don't want to start on the negative that is literally everything else happening with this game. So the comeback, there were goals from uh, Federico Higuain. Don't believe Adrian Healy when he pronounces that first name with an R in it uh, or with two R's, I guess. Uh, Fred Briant got the other goal in that one uh, to to seal the draw. Um, Hell of a debut for Pipa Higuain, Jason. Yeah, it was, um, you know, a really thankless role uh, coming in off the bench, playing at the front of a 4-4-1, um, playing as a lone forward, a guy that is not a lone forward. He's a 10, not a striker. Um, having to just, you know, the way the game was going at that point, it, his job was basically to come into the game so that Ulysses Segura didn't just run himself into the ground anymore. Um, and, you know, maybe you know, with his free kick taking ability, you're like, well, maybe we get something from one of those. Um, but he ended up showing his intelligence off the ball. Um, then, you know, the run that sets up the goal is actually, it's not just that United did a good job forcing a turnover and then Felipe was smart enough to play the pass right away rather than take a touch. Because if he takes even one touch there, the the chance goes away, I think. The angle um, is gone at that point, yeah. Right. Yeah. But Iguain's run is what guides the pass. If you watch everyone's body language, it's Iguain sees the opportunity first before anyone else on either team, and he guides Felipe's pass. So um, that's, uh, I mean, the team brought him in in part so that he can make, I mean, he's a player coach, but he's there to make a difference in games, whether he's a starter or off the bench. Um, The idea is that he, the expectation is that he has the talent, the intelligence to make a difference in games, you can't really do much more than this because DC had nothing really going and all of a sudden one piece of good off the ball running and one really, really clever uh, finish that it's clever, but it's also like I knew as soon as he got, as soon as he maintained the distance between him and um, uh, who is it? Uh, West, Simon. Oh, Simon. No, yeah. no. The, the distance from the center back, once it became clear that the center backs weren't going to catch him, I'm like, he's going to chip him um, because this is, Pipa Higuain, this is the kind, of course he's going to chip him. He's not the guy well, that the, rounds the goalkeeper. He doesn't shoot early. He chips the goalkeeper. That is what he does. And the, and the keeper didn't come out. He had, he really had two yeah. options, which were to, the the best one probably would have been to just sprint out and try to tackle the ball. Um, right. But he hesitated. So that was no longer an option. The other one is to retreat into the goal to prevent being chipped. And he, uh, he people tried would to have do neither. It either exactly. way. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You know, as Ben saying, like if, if Westberg kept his line, then he just would have put it in the corner and that would have been that. But as soon as Westberg decided to come off um, and I guarantee that part of his thought process was it's Iguain. He's not too fast. Our center backs are probably going to catch him. Um, yeah. Not more combination of, right. This is the, the funny thing is that Iguain looked faster on that sprint than he did last season. And also Laurent Simon seems to have lost like 1.5 steps, not even just a step, but a little more than a step. Um, 
and I, and I think he also seen. I think he felt like Zavaleta was going to get there, so he was just not necessarily getting into top gear. Um, and Zavaleta also didn't appear to be all that fast on the play, so um, not great for them. Um, huh. that, yeah, thirty-two-year-old Federico Iguain outrunning them. So, uh, Jason, are you saying that two center backs thought the other one was going to do that? Do something? Jason, uh, did, did did that happen in the first that. half? We'll get there. We might. We'll get. We there. might have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, the the goal itself, um, the general, uh, the sense of danger. I think that you get with Iguain because he has so many ideas. Um, we got a little tiny sample of it, um, and I think we're going to continue. You know, after the game, Olson said um, that they they still aren't one hundred percent. It's not locked down what his what Iguain's role is as far as his player role. Um, on the team, but that if he keeps producing, it becomes really difficult to not put him in the, in the game somewhere. You know, this is a team that could easily um, move Edison Flores uh, to the left um, and play Gressel, Iguain Flores. Um, that's a big possibility. It's not something that I'm saying they need to do. I'm just saying that if Iguain keeps being really good, um, then it's, it becomes a thing they can do. And in this tournament, they probably will have to do it at some point because you can't expect the lineup to just be here's our 11 guys good luck because it's Orlando everyone is just completely gassed after 20 minutes so yeah also said guarantee- it's going to take 20 guys at least to get through this yeah run. and and this is part of the reason why I'm pretty sure Segura started this game for defensive reasons um and also to keep Yamil Assad fresh for the Rebs um I'm pretty sure that's we're going to see that lineup change um so yeah we're going to see some rotation and Iguain it, it's good to see that that any fear people might have had with him being the age he is coming off of an ACL tear, like what can, what difference can he actually make? Because Columbus did decide to let him go. Well, um, obviously, he's the guy who's going to run in behind right, <laughs> and right. score he's, on he's breakaways. He's speed option off the bench. <laughs> um, but no, um, it, it. I mean, you couldn't ask for more. It was it was exactly. Like it's like a dream debut for a player in in anyone's circumstances, but especially in his circumstances uh, coming in. Another guy making his debut for DC United was Kevin Paredes, homegrown, seventeen-year-old player, came in uh, on the wing for for Julian Gressel, effectively, and he didn't get onto the score sheet. But that first goal doesn't happen without him because he went out there and just ran his backside off. Um, pressuring everything uh, that, that came within 20 yards of him. It was, uh, it was, it, it was kind of the performance you want to see from a 17 year old in Orlando heat coming in as a sub, just make life hell for the other guys. And even though Lawrence Simon was also a sub because Greg Vanny was forced to sub out uh, Eric Zavaleta and Omar Gonzalez, his starting center backs, because they were both cramping up during the second half water break uh, and couldn't continue. So he put in his third and fourth string center backs. And even though Simon is a, a very grizzled veteran, he was forced into a really bad pass by Kevin Paredes just running all over him, um, which, you know, that that's what you need to see. Like just the fight, the the give a crap, the the refusal to give up was what you need to see in a 17 year old who wants to get on the field. He's he's playing for a starting job, potentially. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing him start a game with the way the midfield was invisible, which again, we'll get to later. I mean, I would like to see 
at least for now, I would love to see Kevin Paredes get the 20 minutes at the end of the game role. Uh, and if Yamil Assad is, a, is the starter in front of him, if it's Ulysses Segura's, uh, Segura, whoever it is, I want Kevin Paredes to get those last 20 minutes. So if it's Assad, then Paredes, great. Uh, I think he needs those minutes, especially in a weird, crazy tournament like this. Uh, I feel like the youth and the energy of someone like Fridays can actually be even more beneficial than in a regular MLS regular season. I mean, this is kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a world cup and sometimes a youth player, a, a young player in a world cup can just catch fire and just run you through, uh, three, four, seven games and, and just, help you run throughout that entire tournament. We're not asking right now for Paredes to play an entire season. We're just concentrating on this one tournament. And I think he should get at the very least the uh, 20 minutes off the, off the bench minutes. And who knows, maybe he should even deserve more. Yeah. um, I I think this is exactly um, what you would want from Paredes coming in. I on the site account during the game, I tweeted out that um, the subs had an air of damage limitation uh, to them because the game effectively, when these subs came in, the game felt lost. Um, yep. mm-hmm. As Adam said, there have been over 150 instances of this scenario, and in since 2007, and no one had ever avoided defeat. Um, so, to a certain extent, it was like, well, good. Um, you know, the halftime sub gets Ola Kamara a rest so he can be back uh, fresh for the next game. Um, you get Flores and Gressel out. They've only played 50, 57, 58 minutes. They should be able to go again uh, against uh, the Revs. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes and, – and, you know, for Paredes, you say, okay, this is a great chance because he's playing against a, a very good team, a very smart team, and it's a demanding circumstance. It's not going to be fun. And players, young players learn a ton from those situations. So that part of it looked, that looked good. You know, the circumstances that allowed it to look good were bad. Um, but, you know, you're, you're trying at that point to make uh, lemonade out of some, some particularly unpleasant lemons. Um, but Paredes came in, I, I think he might have only misplaced one or two passes. Um, so he was very good with the ball when he, on the touches he got. Um, his work rate was, re- you know, nonstop. Um and I, I think this is something that goes back even in preseason um, being at training. I noticed that he's a, uh, he's a tough kid. Um, you know, he's an attacking midfielder, but he's not, he doesn't have that mindset. And you can say the same thing for Griffin Yao um, as well. They're both, they're both resilient. They both can take a knock. There was a training session back in February, which feels like I'm talking about something from six years ago. Um, but there was a training session in which, Paredes uh, went for a tackle. There was a stray arm that caught him right in the mouth and he was holding his, you know, he put his hand to his face, but he was still running. He was still trying to win the ball back and, and fighting for it. And then when play stopped, there was a brief like, you're all right. And he's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, and, and yeah, it's one, it's one incident. It's a small sample size, but um, sometimes teenage players, they kind of back down from those situations. They kind of clam up a little bit and he kept going like nothing had happened. Um, and when you watch him play for Loudon, it's a similar attitude where um, he has the the mental strength, the mental toughness to make it. 
uh, for lack of a better way to put it. And, you know, Olsen came on this show and mentioned him first uh, among his young players. He brought his name up first. Yep. And he's the he's the least heralded of the three teenage homegrown players. Um, and the most recent. I, right. And, and I, I, I don't think it's a mistake that he came up first because he has these these qualities that are hard to instill in a player. Um, they're personality things uh, that are going to set him up to make it. And I think there's a reason Olsen after the game said that um, he has what it takes to be a player for DC United for a long time. Um, and if he's able to, you know, make this kind of an impact on this game, then we're going to see him again, most likely. Um, this is not going to be a situation where it's like, well, you played well against TFC, you know, now grab a seat on the bench and watch the rest of these games. I think we're going to see him, maybe not as a starter, but certainly in the role that Ben talked about, you know, subbing in, getting real minutes in real games that actually matter um, against better opposition than he gets. You know, his Loudon role is more important um, or his role within Loudon, I should say. I should rephrase that. Mm -hmm. his, his role within the Loudon structure is more important to that team. Um, but these minutes are going to benefit him more uh, because the challenge is that much bigger. And so far, so good. I mean, this is exactly the if you listen to what Olsen said about Paredes and then watch this game, it's exactly what he was saying. It's exactly what you would expect or maybe what the demands are. He met all of them. Yeah. I think this format too, the compressed schedule and the five subs uh, are potentially really good for young players sure. who haven't gotten many or any first team minutes yet, mm -hmm. because you get it more than one chance to throw them out there. It's not like, well, I need to save my subs for, impact substitutions that I know are going right. to happen or I need to, you know, you need to preserve bodies at this point. And that means you're going to throw yeah. young guys out there uh, in this heat. Especially, they recover faster. It's, it, it makes all the sense in the world. It's, it's kind of the one good thing about this format is that it forces coaches to throw young guys out there. You know, especially with the, the schedule DC ended up with not the one yeah. that they started out with. Um, so that aspect of it, you know, it just adds to the physical demands and it, it really does. Like, I feel like the fact that this game got a day closer to the second game than originally scheduled influenced using five subs and using them earlier. Some of it was just, you know, DC did a bunch of running without the ball. So of course you're going to make those subs earlier anyway, but um, the schedule set definitely pushes that issue. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see Griffin Yao getting actual minutes um, and now with Junior Moreno suspended, which I, I assume we'll talk about pretty soon, Moses yeah. Nyaman might be getting some minutes off the bench, uh, especially if DC is losing, if they need to add um, some ideas in central midfield, some possession um, and, and some fresh legs because playing defensive midfield in a hundred percent humidity, uh, it sucks. So yeah. it's not, it's not a surprise that we saw moves made at um, both fullback positions uh, in this game and in defensive midfield roles, because those are the guys that are going to be the most physically drained. Yeah. Speaking of defensive midfield, we have to mention Felipe, uh, who managed almost <laughs> got the Felipe hat trick on this one. He, he assisted on both goals, had an, a very orange yellow card uh, beforehand. Um, couldn't get a shade of orange. Yeah. <laughs> a really. More of a blood orange, yellow. That's, that's a new. That's the new Prokel Hutterum song. A reddish shade of orange. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but it's, it was yellow, our, thankfully. I feel like that's a first for filibuster, a, a purple harum joke. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. We're, we're making it shouldn't history. Have been. It shouldn't have been. Like, our, like our vibe United. is we should have already done a joke like that. <laughs> anyway, I uh, also should mention that TFC really has no one but themselves to blame for dropping two points because DC United had no business coming back uh, being the first team in 157 tries to at least 157 tries to do this. Um, they let off the gas in a major way, even before um, the substitute of the center backs, which is what a lot of TFC fans seem to be blaming for, for the draw is that uh, Zavaleta and Simon came on, but TFC should have had, they should have put their, put the pedal down and just put DC United to the sword and whatever other metaphor you want to use. They, they, they should have scored a couple more goals early in the second half they had, or at least passed United to death and they didn't, they, they let up and let DC United come back in and, you know, they have no one but themselves to blame for I mean, that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I want to thank them for it. Io Akinola should have had like at least two more goals just that just didn't, quite happened to go in and the rest right, of but even then they they didn't create enough chances after halftime to oh for to sure put dc united away like uh akinola had an he had a dream game just about like he almost had a hat trick if it weren't for him having ridiculous range as a goalkeeper um at the at the death of the game and they just they didn't create enough i don't know <laughs> i don't know why they didn't they, i don't know why they, they let up but at halftime, it seemed like their orders were keep the ball, make DC run, and eventually this the situation will open itself up for the third. Um, the dam will break will, just like it did in extra time right, of the playoffs. We'll, right. Like, like the idea was like we're going to pass them to death. They are going to run out of legs and make either a tired mistake or just a regular mistake. But somehow they're going to do something to, to hand us a big opening for the third. And it's not the worst idea, but it's kind of, it's kind of an infectious attitude. I mean, we are talking about something that almost never happens. Like lightning effectively struck this game um, with, with the comeback happening the way it did. Um, but you still, you left the, you know, they left the door open because the intensity with which they were willing to pass was very low. And so DC just dropped off, dropped off, um, moved into, you know, I said, I call it a four, four, one earlier. I think maybe it's more, empty bucket or four, two, two, one. Um, either way, um, they dropped off, they got narrow, they got compact. Um, they tried to prevent the passes that they were unable to prevent during the entire first half, which was those line breaking passes from the center backs or from Bradley or from any other right midfielder that dropped deep. Yeah. They, they were getting sliced up in the first half and they started doing better. Um, once it became clear that it is one of those weird things that happens men- mentally for teams where, you say you enter the game and you think, oh, we're going to get some of the ball. And then the other team keeps, you know, making you look foolish by making you chase. And it's like, wow, this is really demoralizing. And then you get a red card and it's like, you're not going to have any more of the ball. And it kind of, it clarifies things for you. you say, okay, I don't have to think about that other stuff. Cause we're just, it's just not going to happen very much. What I need to think about now is hard work, being tough to play against defensively, all the unsexy stuff that, people hate but is part of winning soccer games um and it's it simplified the game so much for dc that they started to do a better job just as tfc started to do a worse job because tfc 
they're looking at this and saying like, we're not going to lose. There's no way we're going to lose this game. So even if we don't play our absolute best for this second half, the main thing is not to run ourselves into the ground. Let's conserve our own legs. And if this thing finishes to nothing, so be it. Um, and not pursuing that third goal aggressively enough, obviously it bit them. It's probably won't ever happen again. We'll probably be dead before this sort of thing happens again, though. I don't know. I guess maybe the scale of once every 13 years means we probably should all be alive uh, for, for another 13 well, years. At but... least 13 years. We don't know how far back it goes. I That's just know true. that they, That's true. They, they, they got to 2007 and said, I'm tired of looking. <laughs> but, uh, and and but didn't yeah. go back any further. Um, Jason, you didn't I, look in your spreadsheet of, of all MLS knowledge? So, th- so there is a game um, that <laughs> is, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I don't know exactly when, what year it was. I want to say it's 2003. Um, and I remember it distinctly. I was working at the soccer store and the game was happening and I was listening to it via internet radio uh, because there was a, a period of time where MLS had a deal with the internet radio where you could listen to it for free. Were you and listening was, on Real Player? Uh, I believe Real Player was involved, yes. Um, <laughs> this was that kind of era. Um, yep. And DC was beating Columbus and... Columbus tied the game, but then had two different guys sent off. And this was also the area where, where MLS had a brief extra time. If, if you were drawn, uh, if you were level after 90. Um, so it's one, one Columbus has two men sent off. And then DC in the extra time gave up a goal while up two men on a corner and lost the game two to one to nine man Columbus. Um, this is not the same, but it is maybe just as galling. Um, I certainly ruined my week probably uh at the time but uh yeah this was a very unusual circumstance um that tfc nonetheless should not spend too much of their time whining about too many other things they need to say you know what we let we allowed this to happen because they did Mm -hmm. well we spent a long time talking about the good part of the game let's at least quickly uh go through the the bad (laughs) bad time which which it was, was bad. myriad and it, it was myriad and sundry and really, really bad. Um, the, the question I have in my notes here is how did DC United get into that hole? And the first point is they were really bad. Uh, yeah. Everyone was bad in that, that first half there, there was nobody who, who stood out as good. Bill Hamid wasn't terrible, but he wasn't, you know, the, the unbelievable, like, superhero that we sometimes have come to expect of him um but junior moreno stands out as as the one who had the worst first half possibly ever uh for a player i mean it's you you get ripped apart in yeah for for him certainly uh it's the worst we've ever seen him look he uh got ripped apart chasing shadows for 45 minutes and managed to get three yellow cards in that time uh, and sent off. Uh, one of the yellow cards wasn't given, even though it was very clearly a yellow card. He tripped a player after he got beat. Um, and that should have been his second, but he got a reprieve and then uh, ran through the back of Marky Re- Delgado. Rejected, I think, yeah, rejected that reprieve. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to say this and it it's going to sound like I'm defending him, but I'm not. I don't I think don't he you. saw Marky Delgado on that play. At least not until the very okay. last possible moment. And I don't think it matters. I don't say that I don't say that to excuse him. I say that okay. because 
his awareness was that low on the yes. field. For whatever reason, he was not aware of what was happening around him. He saw the ball. He was running at the ball and didn't realize there was a whole ass person between him and the ball. And really? uh, that that's just the level he was at was that low on this day. Okay. Can, can I, can I, can I back it up out of these specifics for a sec? Can I stop you? I mean, you can, but why would you at this point? I just want to back it up and just talk about like, yes, uh, Junior Marino was bad, but Felipe was also bad. The whole midfield was bad in the first half. The defense was bad too, and we'll get to that. But I, I want to concentrate briefly on the midfield and just like how the Toronto midfield was just slicing them apart, and they could the Toronto midfield could just do whatever they wanted. Michael Bradley could uh, and uh, Piatti and Pozuelo could just do whatever they wanted in United's midfield in the first half. And United's midfield had no response. They could not uh, pressure them into uh, making bad passes. They couldn't pressure them to even like slowing down just, they could just do whatever they wanted the entire half and it changed in the second half when, when, when players got changed and players got replaced and tactics got changed, but it was, it was bad to see that DC United starting midfield just got eviscerated by uh, Toronto's starting 11, even without Josie Altidore in there. And and it comes back to, Go ahead, Adam. I was gonna say it really was the the midfield where where the first half was was lost. Um, everyone was bad all over the field. Like I'm not sure Edison Flores got a touch on the ball as the number ten in the first half. Um, he just he couldn't. We couldn't get the ball to him. We played wide when we could get forward, and you know sent in crosses, which almost resulted in a goal. There was a great save that Ola Kamara forced with a header, but. That that was about it. It was really just the fullbacks would get forward, and that that was about the only attack United was able to muster. But even then, there was not a lot of possession. There wasn't any building. It was run forward and kick, um, right. because United couldn't hold on to the ball to save their lives. Well, the whole game, the whole first half, um, comes down to one team thinking faster than the other. Yeah, all over the field. Um, I don't think this wasn't, this was one of those situations where it wasn't United's plan to come out and not have a lot of possession. It was that they could not figure out how to have possession. Um, Cause they were still trying, they, at least for the early going before the game was clearly getting away from them. They were still trying to do um, build out of the back. They were still having center backs drop inside the 18 to receive goal kicks. They were still trying. Um, they had junior Moreno drop in between the center backs briefly. Um, they had, you know, they drew in players and then tried to play around that first line uh, very deep. They tried all that stuff. The problem was that they were just thinking so slowly that TFC always got there first. Um, and it wasn't any one player. It was everybody. Um, it was especially remarkably evident in the midfield, though, especially central midfield. Um, Junior Moreno's cards, I think, both come from just not thinking fast. Um, thinking, oh, I'm going to get to this, and then getting beaten to the ball, but beaten to the ball just narrowly enough that he still gets there. He doesn't have time to stop. 
and he goes through someone. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm looking at Flores's map of passes and everything, and it looks like he gets chased out of the middle. Um, so his touches are right of center or left of center or deep, but they are not where a number 10 should be. Um, and it's because TFC was basically cutting him out of the game. So he had to go hunt for the ball in the spaces that the whole thing with a player like him is you want him receiving the ball in that space that a number 10 normally occupies. And if he gets chased out of there, that's not great. Um, but you could say the same thing for uh, anyone else in the attack. You know, Julian Gressel was pinned almost entirely to the touchline um, because again, TFC was thinking faster. And so every time DC was like, Oh, we're, we're coming forward. Let's look for, let's look for Edison. Let's look for Julian. They get their heads up and those options are gone. Um, or if they are available, they are on, they're in an undesirable spot of the field. They're out against the touchline boxed in where yes, the pass is going to get there, but the, he's not going to be able to do anything without doing some sort of magic to get out of trouble. Um, TFC dictated where and how this game was played all over. Um, DC was slow to apply pressure. They were slow to deny space. It was everything. Um, there's a reason why the game was going the way it was going. Um, it wasn't bad luck. It wasn't, you know, Akinola's first finish is a great finish. Um, but, it, you know, the flavor... But you can't let him... You can't let him... If you're the center backs or a midfielder tracking that, you can't let him set that shot up. He sure, took it. It was, a, it was a really quick shot and a rifle. Like, it, right. 100% a of the credit goes to him, but... They have a triangle like, around but, one guy... And he spins out of it and everyone's like, well, what's he going to do? Um, there's no attempt to shut down. It's just watch. Everyone's watching him go. Yep. Um, and that kind of that play summed up the play of both teams. I think a it was funny watching the game and seeing neutral reactions, which seemed very, very much saying that TFC looked really great. I think the bigger proportion of this was that DC looked really bad. Um I don't want to take too much credit away from TFC because they did do a lot of stuff very well, but also DC looked very, very bad. They just looked so slow of thought. And it wasn't that they were unprepared from a tactical perspective. I think it was just, they were unprepared to think the game at the speed that TFC was offering it at, which wasn't amazing. It was good. It wasn't special. Um, they just, the challenge was uh, there was a certain bar being set by TFC and DC was nowhere close to it for that entire first half, pretty much everywhere. I think Joseph Mora was okay. Um, if we're trying to he pick made one anyone. His, that, yeah, he, he did make one of his patented like emergency tackles to clear the ball out of bounds. Yeah, but yeah, he, he manages to do without fouling so often. Like that's, that's his superpower. But should, um, we, should we talk about the fullbacks now? The, I mean, the fullback. That isn't Joseph Mora. Well, I was going to talk about the center backs because you talk about how slow of thought they were and they watched a ball roll past both of them. And both of them thought the other person was both going to pass it back to Hamid and shield the defense or shield the right. attacker uh, coming on. I don't know how one person's supposed to do both of those things, especially Oops. when you have both of them there, but neither of them claimed responsibility for it. And the result is, um, uh, and, the and, second we know goal that, for, for and we know that neither of them claimed either one because the field mics hear and the lack of crowd, we can hear no one saying anything. Um, and that was the one moment you don't hear Bill Hamid saying something. He he was right. He, he was he the assumed most that one of them on was the going to say broadcast. something, right? Because it was an well, easy and, one. 
and they and just also, didn't. you don't say anything unless you're claiming it. You don't say that's yours. You you call out when it's yours. You, right. you say mine, or well, you call out your name or something. But the does have some ability to dictate to players like you you take the ball, you don't. But usually in that situation, right. you just assume that literally your two most experienced players on the field at that time can handle this situation on their own. And they just they didn't. It was just it was it was the kind of goal you give up when you're having a terrible game and yeah. DC was having a terrible game. And so they gave up that kind of goal. Yep. Ben, you may now talk about the fullback not named Joseph Mora. I like Russell Knauss. I think he is a good player. I think his talents are right now more needed in midfield, or at least at the very least, I think he needs to be, I think that the midfield needs to feel the pressure of Russell Knauss potentially taking their jobs because in the first half, at least that did not seem like a midfield that, had been training for the past three weeks, like Russell Knauss could take their job because I think it has been known for a while that Knauss under Ben Olsen's mind is, was going to start this game as the right back. And he was okay. It's not his position. It's, I don't think he's even like Perry kitchen level at right back because he shouldn't be there. Uh, But I think right now DC United has, a couple of healthy uh, fullbacks that could take that position. Chris Duyachem could start at that position and play 90 minutes as a fullback. Um, So I think that you have to bench, I think you have to bench one of, you have to at least throw Knauss into the mix of that midfield and, I think well, having luckily, a real full I think having well, well hold on. Uh I think mm-hmm. having a real fullback at fullback is makes the team better than having Russell Canals, who might be a better rated FIFA player, uh, but is not a better fullback on the field. So maybe yeah, and, prob- and he'll probably be there now that uh uh now that Moreno is suspended for a game, but Right. It shouldn't have taken yeah, that. I, I would expect Murray, I would expect Knauss to start in the midfield um against New England, especially with uh O'Neill Fisher available and, and Chris Aduyachim. I'd, yes. I'd expect one of them to start at fullback on the right side. We'll see. Um do we want to talk about the extracurriculars after the game well, and the sniping? Before before no. we move on, I, I just want to throw in that we've talked about this midfield issue enough and people know I think all of our positions on it. And generally speaking, I think the thing is Moreno and Felipe both kind of want to be the same player. Um, Felipe, a little more playmaker in that deep role. Moreno, a little less, but close enough. They're they're They both want to be the guy closest to the defense. Yes. And they do less ball winning. Um, And Canals, when he's been there, has been prominent as a ball winner. Um, I think... I think United has to find a way where the defensive midfield situation is Knauss plus one rather than it being like, well, maybe he'll play there sometimes. Um, And whether that is, you know, we're not in training, so we can't say for sure whether, you know, maybe uh, both of the other potential right backs are just not playing well. But at a certain point, you've got to give them the shot anyway to get the midfield structure right. 
And remember when we said this entire offseason when they should have signed more fullbacks? Well, you know, right. The, the, the either, either that was the solution or at a certain point, you've just got to trust. If you're going and say, okay, we don't need any more, then you got to trust the guys you are yeah, exactly. stuck with. Um, and I say stuck with, like, I mean, those are good players, too. Um, right. At a certain point, you got to trust them. Um, and, and- we don't know. We, we don't know whether Olsen was going to rotate, make that rotation anyway uh, for game two. Maybe, maybe it was, we don't know. We can't say any of that for sure. And he's probably not going to tell us. Um, but the fact is that United really needed someone to set the tone in midfield, defensively speaking, they needed someone who could be a little quicker, a little more aggressive, play with a little more bite, win some balls and stop being so easy to play through. Um, granted I'm sure Olsen didn't assemble his lineup assuming that everyone would just be so slow on the day mentally that they wouldn't be able to make an impact I'm sure he was not expecting that um but yeah um I think this this second game um we're almost certainly going to see Canals taking Moreno's spot and whether it's Fisher or Odoyachim whoever plays right back I really hope that they step up and stake their claim so that we get to a situation where Olsen is saying, okay, that's the guy that's going to be at right back that allows me to get Canals back into the midfield because the team needs it. Then you have Moreno and Felipe competing for time, at least when it, if they get to the knockouts. Um, which is good. Which you, is good. You want yeah. more competition. competition for yeah. spots is good. <laughs> we've, yes, we've always talked about how uh, Ben Olsen teams, DC United teams are best when there are when there is competition across all aspects of the field. And I feel like right now in central defensive midfield, there isn't because Knauss is slotted into right back. You know, and, and to build on this, I, I specifically asked Knauss uh, in the press conference before the game, or I guess, I guess it was a couple of days before the game, um, uh, whether, whether he was sort of locked in there, what, what was he working on? during the downtime as far as individual improvement. Um, And he said, you know, he was very clear that he didn't want to put any words in the coaching staff's mouth, but that he took it upon himself to do right back specific training. Um, And that, you know, that's what a good pro does. If you know that you're going to be in a certain role for a while and you haven't played that position a ton in your career, you try and get better. Russell Knauss is, you know, extremely that kind of person who is like okay i'm going to be doing this i better do as good of a job as i possibly can at this whatever it happens to be might not be my best thing but i'm going to do as a good a job if 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 ben olsen said canals is now a striker then he would work he would start the next day working on his finishing nonstop. he's just that kind of guy um but it's not necessarily the best usage of his time because he should be playing central midfield um and i really really hope that we see the team choose to start to lean on one or both of the potential right backs that are true right backs to start to play that position full time. Because I think the midfield gets better with Canals's skill set in there. I think he's the only guy on the team that can do what he does in that role. So I mentioned there were some extracurriculars after the game. Um, <laughs> I, I, the teams, you know, Bill Hamid was chirping, Michael, Lee was chirping a lot for a guy who had just lost a two goal lead to a 10 man team. Uh, 
I think they boil down from everything that coaches and players said. It boils down to this being a really less than ideal and incredibly stressful situation the players are in where not all of them necessarily feel comfortable in the bubble, especially when this game was delayed twice by testing issues uh, related to COVID-19. And, you know, whatever players were saying, I think it boils down to everyone is in an uncomfortable position right now and feels like they're not totally safe. And that's an important thing to remember while we talk about these games and watch these games, because, um, these are human beings they're not, they're and, not and they matter <laughs> and and their yeah. safety matters. And um, it's being jeopardized but, right now so that we can watch and talk about soccer. And I love watching and talking about soccer, but I would be remiss as a human being if I didn't mention that element. So I wanted to throw that out there and yeah. make sure we're all thinking about that. I, I, I'm also going to throw in a pet theory of mine, which is... Um, We've all seen enough of Orlando's games to know that they're usually unpleasant as far as this sort of thing goes. There's a lot of times where Orlando games end with um, players from the visiting team in Orlando in arguments or this, this, that, and the third. It's always, and it's, it doesn't matter who's there for the most part. It's always something. And I really think people just don't enjoy playing in this level of humidity to such an extent that they are all collectively in a bad mood after playing in the weather in Orlando. Um, it's not even an Orlando city thing. It is a, the weather there is so unpleasant that everyone is just in a bad mood to play soccer and you play soccer and you're in a bad mood. And this is the kind of thing that happens. I wouldn't surprise me if we see more games end with this sort of thing, um, because it sucks. It sucks to play in this level of humidity. It's a bad idea to do it, uh, very often, much less over and over again. So I think people are in a bad mood, not just because of what Adam laid out, which I think jives with what Ben Olsen said after the game, but also it's an unpleasant place to do athletic pursuits. Uh, the weather says, don't do these things. And they're there saying, we're going to do it. And it's like, well, you're going to be miserable, man. Well, hopefully we'll be less miserable uh, in the next game, which we'll talk about after the break. Stick around. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. All right, say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster well 
welcome back to filibuster before we get into dc united versus new england um i gotta say i i was putting a picture of myself with the mustache up on twitter and there's now the option to to make your profile picture uh to give it alt text to put a description in which is great that's a major accessibility feature um but it gives you a thousand characters ben I mean, you, you know, only you can... need you only need like you only need like nine. I mean, just need to put Joe Exotic, and then your alt text is good. I I've never seen Tiger King, and my mullet is nowhere near. I've seen pictures, but my mullet is not nearly skip it. as big. As Adam, that. with 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 the with the picture you put on fa- on Twitter with the glasses, and you can see the little bit of the poofing coming out the sides. It looks like a Tiger King. You you got to Google it. It's like you're a mild Tiger King with the mustache and the little mullet and the glasses. It's just, yeah. Would you say I'm a Tiger Duke? Maybe a Tiger Baron. Okay. A Tiger, tiger Viscount. <laughs> no, no. Higher higher than a Viscount. I, I would say a, a, ba- a Baron. No, well, I know the Baron's of lowest. Right, I'm a just Duke. here for the subtle pronunciation correction that Ben dropped there. That's <laughs> I, I'm so here for that. We don't do silent S's. That's uh, true. That's true. We're, <laughs> screw Britain. Viscount. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, because it looks like the MLS's back tournament will carry on no matter what we say, no matter how much we talk about my mustache or COVID-19, it's going to continue. DC United, therefore, will play. Um, check my notes here. First place, New England uh, on Friday. Second of three Group C matches. <laughs> Watch it Friday night at eight o'clock on ESPN. It, it says in my notes they're in first place, Ben. I can't. I don't make the rules. I mean, you do on this podcast, would, Adam. Would you make rules that prevented the New England Revolution from ever being in first place? I would no strongly consider it. <laughs> they are not the first team that I would make that rule for. They are not the last team I would make that for rule every for. Every year okay. you avoid Matt Reese, you get a ten point deduction. Uh, New England in first place in Group C by virtue of a one nothing win over Montreal in which, Jason, they did not create a whole heck of a lot, but they, they got the one nothing win over Thierry Henry. Yeah, I mean, they took 19 shots. So I think a lot of people were kind of uh, seduced by that. The fact that the, the impact looked really bad. Um, and I think people were like, wow, the Revs look really good. Um, but then when you look at the expected goals and you see that DC United had a higher expected goals in their game than the Revs did against a very bad impact team. Uh, and the reason why is that the Revs just get within 35 yards of goal and shoot. Um, they are like a college basketball team that panics and starts shooting threes from mid mid court too early. Um, and you know that it's going, you're like, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, You're going to lose the game because you're wasting every possession on these incredibly unlikely shots. Um, That was the revs. Uh, And so we know Bruce arena probably doesn't care for analytics. Yes. So almost certainly not going to worry about expected goals, um, which is fine. Um, There are things that he does that he does well. Um, It's just, you know, he's not going to discourage them from doing the exact same thing again. They're going to get a a good look. You take it. Right. 
this is a team that has no problem with the um, there's a shot on the expected goals chart. If you check my Twitter account, I retweeted Ben Bayer's um, uh, expected goals chart. And you can see that there's one shot in particular from the revs that is like far away and also out near the touchline. <laughs> that is just one of those where it's like, what on earth are you doing? Why would you shoot from this position? Is the goal empty? Cause otherwise you should not have shot. Um, and that kind of sums it up. It's just a bunch of really low percentage chances that they went for because they're they're they've structured their attack around uh, Gustavo Bo, who loves to shoot. Doesn't really love to do that many other things. He's very good at shooting, but he loves to shoot. Um, and that comes with a problem, which is that if you contest all his shots, most of them are going to be bad. He's probably not going to score very much uh, if you just get in his face because he still was going to try it, but it's hard to shoot accurately when someone's right on you. Um, so yeah, they, in the first half they against dom- Montreal, he did not shoot accurately at all. And then he had the one rocket yes. in the second. Yes. Um, and he can do that. Um, you know, as much as we're talking about them choosing bad shots, if you give them a bunch of shots, he's going to put one away because he is still good at it. It's just, um, he's good at it, but he's not good at choosing when to do it. Um, and that kind of sums up the whole Rev's attack. They have some good pieces. Carlos Hill is excellent. Gustavo Bo is almost excellent. Um, you can do a lot of damage with just those two guys. Um, but the fact is that they are a very impatient team. And so they are going to look, I, I assume that they're going to look to get the ball forward quickly, try and get these guys into some space. And from there, um, lots of shooting. Um, Christian Pena is going to opt to dribble instead of shoot, but that's his, uh, the thing he defaults to too much is to dribble. Um, uh, their striker, Adam Buxa, I don't, I don't know. I didn't think he was anything special in, in his early appearances. This game didn't change my opinion on him, but. Um, he struck me as rather tall. That he's is a I big guy. Uh, he is a classic he, he target, large. which it kind of makes sense. You know, if you're, if you spent, to get a goal scoring wide forward, second forward type like Gustavo Bo is um, having a good target man to help him and he'll get their touches makes some sense. Um, their attack is good. Uh, despite its flaws, they, they are a good attacking team. I don't think they are a good defensive team. Um, and I, I don't think they're actually a good team, um, but they are the kind of team that can kind of blow you up. If you, if you do, if DC plays like they did against in the first half against TFC, this is going to be another two, nothing at halftime scoreline. And I don't think, I think we used up our extremely unlikely comeback. I think that one's not going to be replicated. So um, it's going to take a much better performance. It's just that I also think DC has a lot of room to play a lot better than they did in the first game. They um, can't play worse than the first half. <laughs> yeah. Ben, don't tempt don't tempt Adam, me. They can't play worse. They can play equivalent. They can't you play worse. What would worse not grow like? a superstitious sports household? Do not tempt the sporting deities. Adam, I did grow up in a superstitious sports household because when Indiana basketball was playing, uh, my dad would ask my mother to sit on the dryer because at one point Indiana played better while she was on the dry, while she was uh, uh, putting clothes into the dryer. That did not happen very often. <laughs> I mean, my mom, my parents were also Indiana basketball fans uh, or are Indiana basketball fans. And, and now they've disowned you because you went to Purdue. 
I got a scholarship. They were fine. Um, but they, uh, my mom would leave the room when, when IU was not playing well, because oh, yeah. my mom also left the room when yeah. IU was not playing well, maybe, anyway. maybe IU basketball just shouldn't, maybe they yeah, should be. Better. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, me personally, uh, I feel like that's a good idea. <laughs> Wait, Maryland beat IU for a national championship. Sure. But in this, in this weird, uh, conference change world that i'm still adapting to they seem to be the most natural basketball villain in the conference um they don't have any particularly strong feelings about most of the other teams they haven't uh, won a game in years so the the further away you get from maryland the less i feel like when maryland plays iowa or minnesota i'm like i don't know what to think of you people i know you're far away and you have basketball i get that it just i have no emotional response to you being there you might as well be team that Maryland plays against. They just wear state and Michigan state literally does just Co- wear state college state there. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, so should Maryland just wear crab state on their jerseys? That would be a great name. Honestly, I probably root for Maryland more. Crab state on their jerseys. I think, I think Testudo has earned everyone's respect for being, uh, confusing in a genial way rather than confusing in a bad way uh because those are the two types of college yeah. mascot Co- turtles are confusing good. but fun turtles are good but crabs are tasty it's true um i don't know if you necessarily want to have a mascot that's uh, main trait is good to eat um because that implies defeat i feel like i feel like that comes with the implication of having lost what if their goal is to be eaten then they've won then well, they've won at something else. Um, they haven't won at college sports, I don't think. But at this could, point, I don't know. But should college sports be a thing? That's a different problem. Um, but this would this would this would be including a they would be including a world where college sports do exist and they want to lose at them because uh, you can't no, keep they losing want to, to everybody. I I maintain that being eaten. They and losing are not necessarily the same thing. I'm not going to go any further into it at this time. I will not be taking your questions. Thank you for respecting my family's privacy. Don't at Adam. <laughs> Don't at me. Um, so we saw DC United against Toronto. The central midfield was emblematic of the team's failures in the first half. Um, I think central midfield is probably New England's weakness as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Montreal was not set up to exploit that at all, but they're playing with a two man central midfield. It should be easy, at least in theory to get numbers up on them in central midfield and avoid many of the pitfalls we saw against Toronto. Adam, Adam, did you see our central midfield in this last game? I did. And I, (laughs) I know that Montreal central midfield is not central midfield. And I am hanging my hat on that so hard. It's putting a hole in my hat. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the refs sent out. Stitch your hat. Thank you, Ben. Uh, You guys can't see him gesturing (laughs) over his head, stitching his hat. You can take the hat off to stitch it, Ben. Should we talk about the show or not? Go for it. <laughs> okay. You, you you got me like three times in a row. At a certain point, I just have to ex- accept that I'm not going to get it in until there's a long pause. Um, I, I, I've been in that seat so many times. Yes. 
Um, the Rebs playing Kellen Rowe and Scott Caldwell as the engine room of their 4-2-3-1. It's a good possession duo, but you're not going to get much done defensively uh, from those two. They're not going to win the ball a ton. Um, they are vulnerable there. Um, now, if they wanted to rotate, because both of those guys went 90 minutes, they probably should rotate. Um, they have Wilfried Zahibo. I don't think Zahibo is very good, but he at least would fill that um, ball-winning uh, aspect of things. He would add some physicality that they otherwise don't really have. Um, but when you look at the the Opta chart, you see that neither Caldwell or Rowe really had a major defensive influence on the game. Um, they were there mostly, I think, you know, as much as Arena gets, you know, knocked for some tactical mistakes here and there, um, I think he understood that Montreal's going to sit deep, try and play on the counter. They're going to play this 5-4-1, so you've got numbers up in central midfield. You can afford to have a more possession-oriented duo in those spots than you normally would. Um, now, we could also see Arena turn a blind eye to the eye of fatigue and say, well, you guys won the game, so you're starting again. Um, which if he wants to do that, that's great. Um, because I feel like that's a great way for Edison Flores to get more of the ball. Um, but yeah, I kind of expect at least that one. I don't know if it's going to be Zahibo for Rowe or for Caldwell, but it would be for one of them. Um, so I do expect a little bit of a change for them. I think they did have, um, Michael Mancian left the game injured, um, and they had to replace him with, uh, their rookie center back, uh, Henry Kessler. So, that would add some mobility. I think Kessler's got a little more um, range than Mancien does at this point. Um, but I still think that they are vulnerable there principally. Um, I don't think they have, again, their, their fullbacks are pretty good going forward, especially Brandon by, but they are vulnerable at the back. Um, there's a reason why people keep bringing up Matt Turner's um, difficult saves and his, um, his ability to, to, have high expected goals against and yet still come out with a low goal total against. But that means he's also making spectacular saves a lot, which are by, by nature, they're unlikely. You're not supposed to make spectacular saves because they're difficult. Um, I think the revs give away chances pretty easily. Uh, Montreal was bad in this game and yet they the expected goals for them. Wasn't, it was low because they were bad, but it wasn't like, wow, they didn't do anything all game. Um, there will be real chances for DC in this game as long as they don't play abysmally bad uh, as we saw in the first half against TFC. I think this game is much a much better setup for them because I don't think the Rebs are necessarily looking to have a ton of possession. Um, whereas TFC was like, we want to keep the ball. Um, and DC was slow to think of what to do about that. And they were chasing pretty much the whole game. Um, the Rebs are looking to get the ball forward. They want to move through midfield quickly. They want their attackers getting a lot of touches as soon as possible. This is actually something they used to do on Jay Heaps as well. Yeah. Um, to just get it, not going long, but just quickly, quickly, everything forward. Let's get up into the attack. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be maybe a little more of a vertical game than we got against TFC. Um, and, you know, I feel like DC, I think going into this expecting a one nothing DC win is a pretty unlikely thing. Um, this is a game where teams are going to get chances. Everyone's going to get some chances. So um, DC needs to be good enough at the creative side to give themselves enough chances to get a couple goals on the board. I think if you get two, you're probably going to win the game. But if you 
only get one or you can't get anything on the board. It's going to be really t- difficult to shut this Revs team out because they, as much as they have some flaws, they are good at scoring goals. They are good at getting forward. So there's that, that central midfield battle. Um, you actually answered like most of the questions I had left. So let's just go to the end. We, um, we haven't done this in a while without a guest. It's true. It's true. Let's just go to the end. Let's just go to the end. Who do we want to see Ben Olsen run out against us? We got into this a little bit in the last segment, but I wanted to to dive into it more because I think they're like, we know we want to see Russell Knauss in midfield. And I, I think it's very likely that Felipe keeps his starting spot next to him. Um, there, there's a battle right for now. there's a battle for fullback there's several names you can put on the wings um with Iguain balling out in his his short time against toronto make the argument that he can start who do you guys want to see on the field ben i mean i think i want to see i think chris Duyachum at right back and then uh russell Knauss in midfield like we talked about. And I think at least for right now, I want to see Iguain still come off the bench, but ah, give it, give it to Paredes, give Paredes a start. Screw it. Over Assad, over Gressel. Over Segura, uh, who was the one who started the last game. So you you leave Assad on the bench then and put Paredes on the left. Yeah, I, I I'm going with Assad. Yeah, um, I mean yes, that's the that's the more reasonable assumption. And then but, you get bring Paredes in with 20 minutes left. But, but I'm yeah, going all you know, um, I am with Ben that Canals needs to be in the midfield. I mean, not just yep. because of the suspension, but also he needs to be in midfield. We talked about this. Um, right. I think Fisher did pretty well at right back. Um, I'm fine with either uh, player yeah. getting the nod there. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see whoever gets to start there. I want to see them make a big impact on the game um, so that we have a, a better chance of seeing that be the situation going forward. Um, I do wonder if just from a fatigue perspective, you've got, um, you know, Briant at his age, with a quick turnaround. Um, do you give Donovan Pines this middle game so that Briant is ready to go against Montreal? Or do you say this is the game for Briant and then maybe you rotate uh, that third game um, or, you know, center backs, there's not as much running so you can get away with it. But um, I do uh, hope they that did a lot of running in that first game. Yeah. Um, and that's exhausting. Um, so we might see a little more rotation than normal though. I think like we said in the first segment, Olsen did a good job getting some players off the field to keep them fresh. So Kamara, Flores, Gressel, they should be good to go. Um, Segura probably needs to be rotated out just from a fitness perspective because he spent a lot of time running with nothing to do uh, up top in that second half. I'm sure that was extremely draining. He probably lost 10 pounds of body weight just from the sweating it all out. Um, So yeah, you know, you get Assad in there. Um, you make the change in defensive midfield where it's Felipe and Canals. Um, you bring in one of the natural right backs to play right back. I think after that, because, you know, Mora got subbed off, so he should be fresh as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think after that, you don't have to work. You don't have to worry too much about 
heavy rotation, but um, off the bench, yeah, Paredes and Iguain, I think they earned more time. Um, it would be fairly demoralizing potentially for those guys to make such a big difference and then the next game not to get to play at all. Um, so we should see them again in those roles, but I'm not quite ready to turn them into starters just yet. Maybe that third game though. Um, yeah. Because the third game, how many days is it after the second game? It's not long. Um, no, I think I've it's, completely it's forgotten. Tuesday of next week. Um, originally okay, it, was so a, it. it was a decent layoff before it was like, I think a right. five day. And now because the game has been moved from Thursday yeah. to Friday, which I didn't mention earlier, by the way, this game got moved as yes. part of the fallout. All the, the games, Toronto game, all the games were also getting um, And it, it means that DC United is the team on shorter rest for both of these next two games. Yes. Cause um, this is a, a weird Friday, Tuesday. Um, yeah. The, the rare yeah, Friday, USL, Tuesday. USL, USL. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Shoot, um, who do we have from USL on the roster at this point? I mean, we we have the from the old USL. We don't really have anybody. We have the homegrown guys who played for for Loudon, but we don't have anybody should, who's gone through the the Friday Sunday. They right. should sign Lee Kalashaw as an assistant coach. Maybe I will say maybe Earl Edwards uh, in his rookie year yeah. might have experienced that uh, once or twice uh, with Orlando City B. Uh, rest in peace, uh, OCB. Um, yeah, you I don't think mean. they exist. I don't. I don't think they brought them back this year. No. Um, their B team. So, um, but that's it. Um, but yeah, Pines might be in line for some minutes. It certainly would be good for his development to get some minutes because injuries and all this other stuff have kind of curtailed his chance to just play. Um, and we don't know what's going to come after this. Um, the USL has their return to play plan, which seems completely insane to me. Yeah, um, it seems bad. I don't see any. Yeah. Uh, I I am rooting uh, for all the folks at Loudon to get through it without a problem. I just I don't understand what would make you think you could have fans at games and regional bubbles that are Ooh. very large. The country's big. Uh, you They're have to travel at that point. They're pods. You know, La- Loudon's They're first not... game is in Connecticut. That's not close to here. Um, yeah, no, we shouldn't get into it. It's just we just to say yeah. it's bad. But the the point is that the the window for him to get to play this year there might not be very many opportunities at all for him. Um, so yeah. you have to find a game for him at some point. And, you know, not that that Birnbaum and Briant are ill-suited for uh, Buxa as a as a big target guy, but, uh, you know, there's got to be a game in here where Pines gets 90 minutes. Um, and the only games that are guaranteed are these three group games. So I feel like DC should really be pushing to get him in a full starting 90 minutes as the plan somewhere in here. If it's this week, if it's the third game, you got to get him somewhere, though. Yeah, I think this game makes a lot of sense, especially since, you know, passage to the next round isn't going to be guaranteed whatever the result of this game happens to be. Um, I guess if Toronto runs Montreal into the ground and DC United's on four points after this, you, there's a good chance, but, but you don't you don't know. And so you rotate and know that if you have to get a result against Montreal, you put your, you have to put your starters in your, your first 11 in against Montreal in the third game. So you rotate this time against, against new England to make sure that you are able to do that. You're not going to be putting a 35 year old Frederick Briant on the field for the third time in eight days. Right. Um, you don't want to do that, especially in Orlando weather. 
So you sit him this time. Steve, Steven Birnbaum presumably can recover a little faster. He's a little bit younger. Um, or, or even, I, I think this is the time to rotate, at least if you're going to do it at that spot at all. Now is the time to do it for sure. Um, I, at least that would be my preference versus the, the Montreal game. Uh, I like, I like O'Neill Fisher at fullback. I really do. I think he is a guy who, when he's locked in, he's a, a really solid one V one defender and he's a good system defender as well. And he just can run up and down all day. Um, and, and when he gets into the attack, he, he knows exactly what his role is and is to find the, the really creative attackers in space and put the ball at their feet. And when you're in the final third, that's what you need. And he, you guys know where I stand on, on just hopeful crosses with the, the defense set. And he, he does not send those in. Um, he'll send in an early cross. He will cross when the defense is on their heels or running towards their own goal, but he won't just send in a cross against right. a set defense. And I, I love that about him. I really no do. It. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just, you don't just put it in the mixer when you run out of ideas and he doesn't, he'll look for the out for, for the pass to recycle possession. And that's, that's important in a fullback because that's, he's the guy who has space and time. Um, and then he can recover so he can, he can play counterattacking, he can hit play possession. He, and he can recover on, on defense. Um, and the Dewey Atchum is, it's not a word against him, but I just, I, I, I would like to see Fisher out there at, at right back. I think, I think he's, he's earned the look there. And I think a Dewey Atchum might be a left back on this team at this point. Um, just given the depth chart, um, obviously Canals at midfield. I, I think, with the rest that Kamara got given in the, the second half. Given the fullbacks on this team, given the fullbacks on this team, no one is any position because yeah, that's the, we have full, three fullbacks. Yeah, we have three fullbacks. We have three center backs. This is not a full roster that DC United has brought into this tournament that requires using everybody on your roster. So, um, you know, that, that, that is less than ideal. But everything about this tournament is less than ideal. And I think that is the note we will leave you with tonight. Thank you all for listening to this episode of filibuster. Find us at black If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We love our donors. We, we uh, really appreciate all the support we get. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibuster DCU at black and red U for the website send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We really do read them all, whether we respond or not. Download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I guess we don't upload directly to SoundCloud anymore, but... No, uh, we don't. Spotify. Say Spotify. Spotify. I'll say Spotify. Spotify is the new SoundCloud. Um, If they use that in their advertising, they they have to pay us now. Uh, Yes. Um whatever the podcatcher of choice is, uh, you'll find us there. Most likely if you don't see us there, let us know. And we'll, we'll try to fix that. Mostly though, tell a friend about the show when you are gearing up to watch the game on Friday night and you are on the zoom call or, you know, having a socially distanced watch party, uh, tell a friend about the podcast. That's about the nicest thing you can do for us for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Everyone stay hydrated. It's too hot.